Today with Catherine Ruinala. There is something so powerful about praising Him, body, soul, and spirit with your whole heart, singing exuberant high praise to the Lord because what happens as you do that, as you engage your mouth, you engage your body, you lift your hands, you clap your hands, whatever it is that you need to do to get fully engaged and fully focused, it's the Holy Spirit lifts our heads to remember and to see the Father and the Son, to recognize, that's who you are. And out of that place of revelation, the Spirit of God giving us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that's where we are provoked to beautiful, true, pure worship that just comes in adoration. And, and I find, find that um, as I go through praise and worship, I, I go in and out of intercession and adoration and prayers and then on Friday, even um, as I was praising and worshiping, I found myself even being at one stage drawn to pray for Israel. Not that I'd been thinking about Israel or even really know anything that's going on, but I felt it was on his heart. And what a privilege just to be able to not have just egocentric prayers, but think, just being able to minister with him what's on his heart. It was a beautiful thing. But then the spirit of glory came. And the Lord began to take me into an encounter and I felt him invite me to come with him in a vision. And in the vision, um, I was in the heavens and he was, he was beckoning me to follow him and I was seeking his face the whole time my heart was crying, oh Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to know you more than what I've experienced before, more than what I've seen before, more than what I've read about, more than what I understand. I want to know this love that passes knowledge. You are love. I want to see your face. That's a good thing to have. It's not a, it's not a poverty mentality or a lack of faith. Love, desire, it, it's not a static thing. It's a living thing that longs to be continually filled with more and more understanding. The more you taste, the more you desire. And that's a healthy, glorious thing. Hallelujah. He wants us to hunger and thirst. Not that we haven't been given everything pertaining to life and godliness, but he wants to fill us with all the fullness of God. And all the fullness of God has no end. So I was... I was longing for him and I followed him across this stream, this beautiful, clear stream. And, and then as I was in the stream crossing, following him, he was upstream a little bit. He turned around and he looked at me and he was laughing, smiling face. And then I realized I had a weight on my shoulder and he just moved his hand and the weight came off my shoulder and fell off into the stream behind me and just was taken away. And then after a little while, I realized I had another weight, another concern about another person. And he looked at me like, would you like me to take care of that too? And yeah, he just lifted up his hand and that weight came off. And then this little bit of shame here. Yeah, you can have that too, yeah. And this, this concern about, oh yeah, about that child and this concern about that worry. He just, he just took it all off. And as I was there, I could see actually 
this, it was, the, the vision was, was the, the river was like his blood that was just taking it all the way. And then the next thing, he was right up close, right up close. And he was showing me my breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness. It was shiny and beautiful. But then I realized somehow I was holding on to his and he was holding on to mine and it was the same breastplate. We were sharing a, ble- a breastplate. That's how close we were. And his breastplate was my breastplate. We are the righteousness of God. We have the righteousness of God in Christ. It's his breastplate. And then afterwards, when I went to minister and pray for the sick, I felt a new revelation of faith that as I was praying, we were to, it was his faith and my faith. It wasn't just his faith. It wasn't just my faith. It was our faith together. It, it was his power. We were doing this together. And, you know, this is the beauty of what can happen in worship. This is all totally scriptural. It completely backs up with the Word of God. And you, you weigh everything with the Word of God, which is the plumb line. Hallelujah. But he, he speaks a personal word, and it's so beautiful, which is why I love to prioritize worship. And then today I was praying, as I do, our Father. And, you know, we can say our Father Because when the the disciples saw the intimacy that Jesus had with the Father, it was so appealing to them that he was talking to the Father. He'd say things like, I know that you hear me, but for their benefit, I'm, I'm saying this out loud. He had that, it was so intimate that in his most difficult situations, he'd run to the the hill, get alone with God, and he'd come back refreshed. And they saw his prayer life and they said, oh, teach us how to pray. He said, okay, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. That same intimacy you see me having with the Father, you approach him with that same faith, that you, you have that same level. Wow. So every time I say our father, I used to change it. I used to say my father when I was in private, thinking I don't have to say our father because I don't need everybody to know. But now I say our father because it reminds me it's not, it's my father and Jesus' father. (sighs) Because of you, I have this access to be able to boldly approach the throne of grace who is in heaven. Sometimes we skip over that. But you know, there's something important that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today about the reality of our eternal home, that we have a home and it is eternal. He wants us to remember that our home is not here, it's in heaven. I was thinking about Moses and Elijah recently, you know the the story about the Mount of Transfiguration? Oh, good. Oh, good. You read the same book. It's awesome. Oh, my God. It's highly recommended. Um, It says Jesus was transfigured before them. And Moses and Elijah, I mean, if you read about Moses, Moses, God buried Moses. (laughs) He actually says that. Oh, go and read it. God buried. God buried him. So no one knows where he was buried. He didn't just get taken away. God, it says he died and God buried him. 
but Moses and Elijah are there talking to Jesus about the events that are going to come. And it just so struck me that in heaven, life goes on. We're not just these disembodied spirits who sort of float around. We have the mind of Christ. We understand all things where we see and we have conversation with God, with each other. We're involved. It's, it's, we're still intellectually stimulated and learning and talking and it's glorious. It's real life. Hallelujah. It's worth studying. But I came home all excited because I just felt the Lord wanted me to read again in Revelation chapter 21. And I love Revelation 21 and 22. It's a description of the heavenly city. So I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture today, but I want you to really stay engaged because I believe, I really believe the Lord has given me a word today that I want us to hear, okay? Revelation 21. Oh, it's beautiful. I'll start in the second half of verse three. He will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There'll no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes, that's he who perseveres, will inherit these things. I've got a little quote that I, I keep in the front of my Bible. Oh, it's disappeared. It's Winston Churchill. He'd say, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Hallelujah. But he who overcomes, that's he who perseveres, will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It's not very popular to talk about that. And anyone who knows me knows I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher. I, I believe the goodness and kindness of God leads us to repentance. But we can't cut these verses out of the Bible. It's here and it's real. But I have some really good news. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone. And as the stone of crystal clear jasper, it had great and high walls with 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels and names were written on them. And it goes on and I'd love to read this whole, whole chapter to you. It's just beautiful. And I encourage you to go home and do it. 21 and 22, it's just beautiful. But the, the walls are made of pure gemstones layers of them. And the light in the city doesn't come from a sun or from a, an artificial light. God himself is the light. 
And can you imagine the light shining through the gemstones of the walls and let alone what's inside with the, the streets that are as pure glass, it says, uh, that pure gold. And the street here in verse 21 of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. That's the streets. The whole city is made of gold. Um, it has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it for the glory of God has illumined it and the lamp is its lamb, is the lamb. And it goes on, verse 27, and nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22, then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God. It's my stream. He has a stream that makes glad the city of God, the river of his pleasure for us. It flows from the throne. It's glorious. Hallelujah. Um, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit. This is a really well-constructed, real place. Hallelujah. There'll no longer be any curse. Verse four, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night for they will not have any need of the light or of a, lamp, of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. That's us. It's like active things to do. It's not going to be boring. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must take place soon. And behold, I am coming quickly, hallelujah. It's so beautiful and I could take a lot of time to pull that apart and I have done before. I just love to study heaven. How wonderful, how real and how glorious. But if you bear with me, I, I was talking with a lovely lady last night who's just encouraging me that a few years ago she had just been set free as I had um, been preaching out of, Hebrews chapter 10. So I was looking at this again this morning in Hebrews chapter 10, and I realized how, how closely it works together with Revelation 21. Hebrews 10, and I don't have time to read the whole chapter to you, but I do encourage you to read it. It's such a good, such a good read. And it talks about how the law has no power to cleanse a guilty conscience. So they have to keep offering sacrifices every year to try and get cleansed from sin. But Jesus, his blood was so far superior to the blood of bulls and goats, we no longer have to have any sacrifices. He was the last one, the, the last Adam, the final Passover lamb. He gave his life and said, it's finished, it's done clean, forgiven, redeemed, and we don't have to have sacrifice after sacrifice. He has redeemed us. Hallelujah. Anybody say hallelujah? Um, verse five, sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. And he came and he gave his life. Hallelujah. Verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. 
I will put my laws upon their heart and in their mind I will write them. And then he says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is forgiveness of these sins, there is no longer any offering for sin. Now bear with me, let's keep reading from verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, say the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, his flesh broken for us so that we can now boldly come and say, our Father, hooray. We've been born again out of his flesh. Just as Eve was taken out of Adam's side, the bride of Christ was taken out of the flesh of Jesus. We were made one flesh with him, one with him. Isn't it? Oh, I get happy just thinking about it. New creations born again by the blood of the lamb. And since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, who is the great priest? Jesus, our great high priest. Let us draw near. You have a judge and the judge is on your side. That's the good news. Hooray. He says, not out, not guilty. It's awesome. Great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who settled aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe a punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Moving down to verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. Oh, that was a long portion of scripture. I used to read that and get a little afraid and a little concerned that having been born again, now we know to be born again means to come to the Lord and say, oh God, I recognize that without holiness, no one can see God. I have sinned. I can't pay for my sin. The wages of sin is death. 
But I believe, Jesus, that you died in my place and now you offer me forgiveness for my sin. I come, I repent, I say, I I recognize I've done the wrong thing. Have mercy on me. I need forgiveness. I need a savior. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. Make me clean. I receive you, Jesus, as my savior, my Lord. Come into my life. Give me this new heart. Let me be one flesh with you. By faith, I receive you and your mercy, which is better than I feel like I deserve. I put my faith in your great mercy that takes away my sin and gives me your righteousness. Hooray, we are born again. By grace, we are saved through faith. If you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Yay? What happens if you sin again? I used to think, well, if I sinned again, well, hang on, I read this. I'm like, oh, now I'm really in trouble because like I've already done the born again thing. Like now what do I do? Like, oh, there's a terrible judgment waiting for me now. Oh God. And then you can actually get caught up in another works thing. Like, oh my God, yeah, I should have known better. I know better. And I did it anyway. And I know, oh God. Then you get tied up in knots with condemnation that makes you afraid to approach the throne of grace. And yet it's all the work of the deceiver. Trying to get you off track Because the Bible tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. But what this doesn't say is that God is permissioning people to sin. It says here, if you go on sinning willfully, that is, if you adopt an attitude, well, Jesus forgives me anyway, I'll do what I like. I know it's wrong, but I don't care. I'm going to do it because it feels good. I want to do that. And hey, I believe that Jesus just covers my sin. You are deceiving yourself. Because the Bible says without holiness, no one can see God. And holiness comes not by works, but becomes, comes through divine exchange. Where we go, oh, I repent. I give you my sin and I receive your mercy. And that way you have holiness. You're completely spotless. But if you willfully hold on to sin and believe you're holy at the same time, You're you're kidding yourself. You're fooling yourself. And the Bible says it really plainly right here and in Revelation. And, And we've got to be careful not to just preach a gospel that makes people feel good. But we've got to tell them the truth because the truth will make them free. Hallelujah. And so, but here's the thing. If you if you sin and you feel bad about it. And you say, oh, God, I'm sorry. Have mercy on me. Done. He doesn't even remember it. It's in that stream behind you. Gone. Never to be recalled. Never brought back on the day of judgment. He's not going to hold you account for that on the day of judgment. In fact, it tells us in 1 John 4 that we can have boldness, confidence on the day of judgment because 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are we in this world. Holy, pure, spotless, by his mercy, by his blood. And so if you sin again, you don't have to be afraid that I've lost my salvation. But you can have confidence. Oh God, that was wrong. Sorry. Thank you that you give me power not to, not to do that again. That you give me power to turn from that and to walk in holiness. I am reminded of my deep need for you. In my weakness, you are strong. Lord, I thank you. You said you make a way of escape for me in every temptation. Thank you, God. Hooray. But it is, it's, that is different 
to willfully sinning and refusing to turn from your sin and thinking that you're right and you're okay and you're going to make it. I, I can't see it any other way throughout the testimony of the scripture. So I believe that my heart isn't at all to give you a heavy word, but my heart is to help you see with your greater clarity today the reality of the heavenly city and the lake of fire. The reality of our eternal life that goes on and on and on. Gloriously meaningful, wonderful, heavenly, eternal life. And our privilege to be able to, to worship Him now with Him, engage with Him, walk with Him, talk with Him like Jesus did when He walked the earth. This is our privilege to be able to walk with the one who is our ever-present help in time of need, to be able to hold His hand, to be able to look to Him for help and not have to be caught up in a fear and a condemnation that He's remembering my sin, but that as I've confessed my sin, He's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and I am clean, even though I haven't paid for it. Because I can't pay for it. Because only Jesus was worthy to do that. I have to humble myself and believe that He's better.